It's another beautiful day for baseball in Los Angeles. And baseball podcast. Josh Schaefer and Blake Harris cover everything Dodgers right here on Inside the Ravine. How's it going, everyone? And welcome to a brand new episode of Inside the Ravine. Joining me, as always, from beautiful Ontario, the Ontario Rain headquarters in the vice president's office, it looks like this week, Josh Schaefer. Josh, uh, how are you doing over there this week? I'm doing fine. I'm actually in the main conference room, but that does not mean that you and I have not recorded a show while I was in somebody's office before. So, um, but yeah, since we're uh, since we're uh, taking our, our lunch break, to go ahead and uh, record today, um, decide that um, the, the the main conference room was going to be the good, the best place to go. Yeah, it looks solid. You got the Ontario Rain logo right behind you, rocking your LA Kings sweatshirt today, looking good. So, Josh, it's been it's been a while. I guess a week and a half since we recorded our our last episode. So, luckily for the Dodgers, not a whole lot has really transpired over the last couple of weeks. But there is one piece of injury news that we do have to talk about that kind of has gone under the radar, I feel like, over the last couple of days since this really developed. But before we get to that, make sure you guys listen to Inside the Ravine wherever you guys get your podcasts. We're on the Odyssey app. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple. You can also, you know, watch on YouTube if you want to watch Josh, you know, have a sip of water. Or another beverage. Yeah. Right now it's, you know, 12 o'clock. It's 5 o'clock somewhere, so who knows. But you guys can also follow us on socials. We're on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Just search Inside the Ravine. You guys can find us there. But Josh, let's talk about some injury news. I guess luckily it's not as significant as the Gavin Lux one that we talked about a couple weeks ago. But Tony Gonsolin apparently is not going to be ready for opening day, most likely. It hasn't been confirmed yet. He hasn't been ruled out. But it sounds like Tony Gonsolin isn't going to be ready for opening day. Now, I know what you're thinking, Josh. What happened? Because we saw him pitch a couple of games, looked fine, looked solid, exited the game healthy, and all of a sudden now we're learning that he's injured. Apparently, and I, I don't think there's like an official report, this is what I've like read in the LA Times and some other pieces, he was walking in the backfields and tripped, rolled his ankle, messed up his ankle somehow, and... I guess his ankle is pretty messed up, so, and this happened, I think, about a week ago, so the fact that already a month out, they're projecting him not to be ready for opening day, that is not ideal, Josh. You do not want to be hearing that a guy messed up his ankle by essentially doing nothing on the baseball diamond. Yeah, so it seems like uh, the injury occurred during, like, pitcher's drills, like a fielding practice, Um, and again, I don't want to speculate, but... um... But in a lot of those drills and the fielding portions, it's the quick scamper off the mound to field a little ground ball dribbler back toward the pitcher. So, I mean, you can kind of see if that's how it happened, then, you know, some guys can slip. You've seen it happen before. Um, So obviously you hope it's not super significant, but for the, for the context of this conversation and for the context of opening day, I will say that it seems like it's, it's a significant thing because of course you're already going to be without Walker Bueller. Um, He had the surgery last year. Um, and then obviously there was the huge injury to Gavin Lux earlier this spring, just two games in, which was incredibly disappointing. Um, so you already have, you know, two guys that you would hope to be major, major pieces of the team and already one guy who he's kind of one, a one B as your ace. Now with how good Julio Urias has been, the Dodgers kind of have three top guys, but, 
um, Bueller you weren't even expecting. And now you've got somebody like Tony Gonsolin, who honestly was probably going to be the Dodgers' number three guy this year. I mean, I really think three through five is really kind of all up and down, depending on you know how one guy's doing over the other, whether it be Gonsolin, Cindergaard, Dustin May. But really, I think he's the third guy behind Kershaw and Julio Urias. Um, so, so it is definitely a significant thing for the Dodgers, at least for now. We don't know how long it's going to be, but you're right. It does seem like um, the conversation has been kind of leaning toward not seeing Gonsolin ready for, for the start of the season. Um, and then, of course, remember, he had missed some games in the past as well. Um, so, you know, he's, he's missed some time with a shoulder inflammation thing. Um, he, had, he had that arm strain. I think it was a forearm strain. Um, so he's pitched less than 200 innings between the last two years. Um, so I don't think that that's something that's super concerning, but in the grand scheme of things, it's another, you know, even smaller injury for Tony Gonsolin that, you know, you hope doesn't continue to add up. And it's annoying, you know, it takes place this early in spring because eventually when he comes back, whether it's the first week of the season, the second week of the season, he's not going to be built up to go five, six, seven innings if you need. I mean, I think he only pitched two, three, four innings, you know, so far this spring. So eventually when he does come back, he's not going to be able to go deep into games. He's going to have to continue to build that arm up. So a very inconvenient kind of injury. And again, the fact that it happened not even in an actual game, it just sucks. But with Tony Gonsolin, again, there, there hasn't been an actual timetable. I don't think we're going to get one until probably maybe the week of, you know, the start of the regular season. So it could be one start he misses. It could be two. So if Tony Gonsolin misses a couple starts, Josh, the options for the Dodgers, you know, are kind of thin. You would have to guess that Ryan Pepio is probably going to be the guy that does get the nod for the Dodgers. He's been pretty solid so far this spring for the Dodgers. He's actually named that I was going to talk about later in the show when we're talking about guys that have impressed. But I guess really it's Ryan Pepio, and if not, maybe the Dodgers opt to go with like an Andre Jackson. But it really seems like, you know, if you need a couple starts, those are your only two real options in regards to your starting rotation. Yeah. So, I mean, after, if you take Gonsolin out, um, Ryan Pepio, I've seen some people discuss Michael Grove. Um, and then of course you do have the team's, I guess, top pitching prospect, Bobby Miller, but you're right. You know, you've got Andre Jackson, you've got guys that have seen big league innings before that you could call up for that um, to, to kind of play that role, maybe even the buffer role until Gonsolin's ready to go. But um, yeah, I think, I think the first name that stands out to me is Ryan Pepio. And, you know, we talked about him. Um, we've talked about him quite a bit recently. Um, obviously we had him on the show a couple of weeks back too. Um, and, um, and obviously he's somebody that we're wishing the best for and, and hoping for more opportunities to, to see him pitch. And this, I, I think this might be it. Um, and something that we talked with, with Ryan about was, kind of where he fits in, whether it be as a reliever, as a starter. And again, you can go back and listen to that interview. It's a couple of weeks ago, uh, our chat with Ryan Pepio here on Inside the Ravine. But, um, you know, he kind of did go back and forth. And it's it's kind of just, I want to I play, I want to pitch, I want to help out the team however I can. So um, maybe this is that opportunity for him to, to even get more innings, um, to, to play maybe not necessarily a bigger role, but, but an even more important role. I, I could see that. Um, with Pepio being one of the first names on the list. Yeah, I mean, we thought he'd be a guy that would make an impact in the rotation and the bullpen at some point this season. Didn't think it would be probably the first week of the year having to slide into the rotation. But again, like you mentioned, Michael Grove, he's a guy that we could potentially see. So the Dodgers have a number of options, which is a good thing considering 
you don't want to start your you know your season with your all-star starting pitcher on the AL for an extended period of time. So the Dodgers are going to be fine. I guess the only other piece of real injury news is Daniel Hudson is still you know rehabbing from his ACL from last year. I think the plan is to kind of just build him up slow. I think Dave also said recently. He's kind of a 50-50 of being ready for opening day, but if he's not ready for opening day, he'll be ready after a few weeks leading into the season. Not really a major concern for the Dodgers because you want to make sure he's healthy. You want to make sure you know he's going to be one of your key pieces in the bullpen next season. So if he misses a few weeks to start the season, I think the Dodgers are going to be fine with that. But luckily, Josh, knock on, knock on wood, knock on your desk right now. No other injuries really that the Dodgers are dealing with. None that, you know, have happened over the last couple of weeks. So that's certainly good news. You want to keep guys healthy. You want to make sure you guys are fully loaded entering the season. But we're going to transition now, Josh, for the rest of our show. And we're just going to be talking about guys that have stood out this camp, guys that have impressed, guys that have disappointed. We're officially at the halfway mark in spring training. I think the Dodgers have played a total, I want to say, of 17 games, if you include their split squad games. And I think they have 15 games remaining, so literally right at the halfway mark. And obviously, Josh, it's been two weeks worth of spring training games. Numbers don't mean a single thing. A guy could hit 100 and be an MVP candidate this season. A guy could have an ERA of zero and be sent to the minors. So, you don't want to read too much into it, but you also need to realize two weeks, it's a large enough sample size. You have an idea of what's going on. So we're going to start off with the guys that have impressed us so far, hitters, pitchers. I'll throw things over to you. Who are some guys, or I guess who's one guy, if you want to start out with, that really has kind of caught your eye and really impressed you so far through the first two and a half, three weeks of spring training? Well, there's been a few, and I think that um, I should... You know what? Let's. I'm not going to start with one of the bigger names. I'm going to start with something that we have talked about on the show, somebody that we've talked about on the show before, somebody that I think a lot of Dodger fans um, were a little bit interested to see his name pop up recently, uh, and that's, that's Johnny DeLuca. Um, Johnny DeLuca's logged a decent amount of ABs um, in spring training. He's already appeared in 13 games. He's hitting 350. So Johnny DeLuca is somebody that, um, you know, we had talked about a little bit. He's a Pac-12 guy. So we had kind of seen him play against ASU a couple of times when we were in school. Um, and then he's been throughout the Dodgers minor league system. He's, he's a pretty versatile player. He can kind of do a lot. Um, I believe he's mostly been hitting as a DH. Um, that's, that's how he's listed uh, on the MLB site right now for spring training is DH. Um, but sitting 350 um, through 13 games in spring training. And again, small sample size and it's spring training. We can say that a hundred times on the show, but um, for somebody who's not one of the bigger names, I think it's spring training, but somebody whose name has popped up time and time again for the Dodgers. And I think has made a lot of fans go, who the hell is this guy? Um, I think that's impressive. Yeah. I mean, he's a guy I, I, I wrote down a number of guys and I had him on the middle portion of my list because he's been fantastic so far for the Dodgers. Like you mentioned, an Oregon guy, you know, I mean, the Dodgers have had like six or seven guys that are Oregon guys the last couple of seasons. I think they're just looking at guys that went to Oregon and just picking them up. But Johnny DeLuca, he's going to be an interesting one because way back, you know, back in October, November, when we did an episode 
talking about guys that the Dodgers could potentially add to their 40-man roster in order to save from the Rule 5 draft. He was a guy that I think you initially mentioned as someone the Dodgers should protect. He's a 24-year-old outfielder, was insane last year in the minors, Josh, in only 98 games last season between high A and double A. He had 25 home runs, 22 doubles, so that's like a full season pace of 40 and 40. And like you said, he's hitting 350, OPS above 1,000, has a home run driven in six runs. He's probably not a guy that is going to make an impact at some point this season just because of how deep the Dodgers are in regards to their outfield. But if guys struggle, if there are injuries, if there are trades, if he's able to put up some solid numbers again in the minors, he could be a guy that we see maybe later this season but yeah if you want to be you know a dodger fan that can have like bragging rights over your friend and seem like you know more than they do keep an eye on johnny deluca because at least next season he's going to be a guy that's that's going to be making an impact because he is he is really impressed and josh i feel like a lot of the guys we're going to talk about today at least some of the names i jotted down are a bunch of these minor leaguers that aren't necessarily going to be everyday big league kind of guys for the Dodgers this year, but minor leaguers that have just impressed and are really going to be having Dodger fans, you know, keep an eye on them. But I actually, like I said, Johnny DeLuca, I think he has played some outfield this year, but I think mainly it's been DH. But I, I want to transition to another outfielder, and this is one that is probably going to be a more interesting discussion, and that is James Outman, who I know we've talked about him this this offseason a brief sample size last year with the big league club was insane, was insane in the minors. But Josh, he's been the best hitter on the Dodgers this spring, hitting 391, OPS of 1,247, two home runs, eight RBIs. He's tied for the team lead with nine hits. Defensively, he's looked fantastic as well. I mean, at this point, Josh, I, I don't know how Dave Roberts can make his starting lineup on opening day and not have James Outman in there, whether it's in left field, whether it's in center field, wherever he has to be in there on opening day after the spring he's had so far. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's getting to the point where he's got to try to not make the roster right now and make the lineup because he's just been phenomenal. I mean, he's been fantastic. I don't really see how Dave Roberts keeps this guy out of the lineup right now um, because Obviously, that's how he was last year, um, and we saw him for you know the brief sample size that we that we saw him in, and he was insane, and that was kind of it, right? And you know we had brought him up a little bit toward the end of the season, but that was pretty much it. But it's not even just what he's done on the field in games here at spring training. Um, people have continued to talk about how well he's just looked in simple practices or BPs or any type of drills. He's just been the guy this year. And did you end up, did you see what Daniel Hudson had said about uh, James Outland? Yeah, I, I was going to load it up, but if you have it in front of you, you could read it. Cause this is, it just grows James Outman's, you know, hype and legacy even more. Cause this was fantastic. Yeah. Daniel Hudson was talking about how he was, uh, how he, he's obviously, we just mentioned he's, he's, you know, still recovering and he's rehabbing. Um, he said it's the second time he's faced hitters in eight months and he's got to face Babe Ruth referring to James Outman. Like that's just how good that the guy has been. So um, yeah, I, and look, I got to tell you, I've had multiple people text me as well asking about whether or not James Outman's going to make or going to be in the lineup for the Dodgers and should be starting in the outfield. I'm like, I don't know, but in spring training, he's certainly making a name for himself and he made a name for himself last year when he debuted. Yeah, I mean, that quote from Daniel Hudson, 
when I saw that, I was like, my goodness. Because I think the original tweet was there was like a scrimmage going on in one of the backfields. And I think someone said that James Alvin hit a home run off of Daniel Hudson, Evan Phillips. I forget the third name, but he essentially took three guys deep. And the craziest thing is, and I know this is definitely going to be something that happens once the season approaches. A few days ago, I think Dave Roberts was asked following the game, like something about James Alvin. And he pretty much said... Like, I don't have the exact full quote in front of me, but Dave Roberts pretty much was like, yeah, he's been great. We're going to see what he's able to do to earn a spot on the opening day roster, on the everyday roster. It wasn't like, yeah, this guy is locked in. I'm going to be penciling him in. He's going to impact us. It was like, yeah, he's been good, but we'll just see where exactly he fits in. I hope the Dodgers are smart because we've seen this in years past. When they have these young guys that are absolute studs, they hold them down. Jason Hayward's kind of regressed a little, but I don't know. I, Josh, if, if I had to put money down right now, I would probably put money on the side that the starting outfield on opening day is consistent of David Peralta, Jason Hayward, and Mookie Betts. I think James Edmund makes the roster. I think he's the final guy. But just knowing the Dodgers, knowing how they prefer these veteran guys, I, just, I wouldn't be surprised if he's not in the opening day lineup, but... Unless you give James Outman a 30-game sample size and he just sucks, he just clearly is outmatched and you might have to send him down, I don't know why you wouldn't be penciling him in every game because of the upside he offers. I think that's something we also talked about previously. Jason Hayward might have a safe, safe floor, but Jason Hayward's not going to be hitting 30 home runs this year. He's not going to be posted an OPS of 900. James Outman, he could be better than that. He could be worse, but the sky's the limit for Outman, so hopefully the Dodgers make the right call. But yeah, he's been unreal this spring. Babe Ruth, I'm, re- I'm just going to refer to him as Babe Ruth moving forward, Josh, because yeah. I think that's I think that's fair. Yeah, I don't want to make too many crazy predictions or anything, but I think there's a legitimate chance that he makes a case to be an everyday player for the Dodgers come October. One other player I, I want to quickly mention, Josh, before, you know, if there's any other ones you want to mention. And this is an interesting one, and it's Miguel Rojas. And I know a lot of people oh, might yeah. be thinking... You know, Miguel Rojas, he's doing exactly what was expected. Defensively, he is making highlight play after highlight play, and he's making you just remember how bad the Dodgers have been defensively at shortstop just the last couple of years. But offensively, Josh, again, not a huge sample size, but he's hitting 333 OPS of 902, has a home run, has two doubles. Only five players with the Dodgers this camp have hit a home run with at least two doubles, and Miguel Rojas is one of them. He's a guy that, you know, we've talked about, you know what you're getting defensively, and if he's able just to be league average at the plate, like league average, you're asking for the bare minimum, you're asking for a league average hitter, he'll be a valuable piece for the Dodgers, and he has been more than a league average player at the plate so far this spring. Yeah, yeah, he has. He's hitting 333, his OPS is over 900, and again, you know, we keep saying temper it a little bit because it's spring training, but if he is an ounce of, of what he's done at the plate for the Dodgers and continues what he's done defensively, that's exactly what you need and maybe more than what you're asking for. Um, and he was somebody that I had jotted down that I wanted to talk about too, because he was actually, when, when I was hesitant on who I was going to start with and I chose Johnny DeLuca, um, the other name that I was going to bring up as somebody who was more of a bigger name was going to be Miguel Rojas. Um, because of how good he's been. 
Um, so certainly you, you want to expect that to continue once the season begins, because if it does, I'm not saying that he's going to be hitting 333, but if he's hitting anywhere close to 300, he is doing above and beyond what the Dodgers need and are asking him to do. Yeah. And the, the fact that, you know, since the Gavin Lux injury happened, I don't think we talked about this, but the fact he was supposed to play in the world baseball classic opted to pass on that, stay with the Dodgers and get consistent reps, get consistent at bats, which you just have to tip your hat to because personally, if I have a chance to play for my country in the World Baseball Classic, I'm doing that as opposed to playing in meaningless spring training games. But he knows just how valuable he's going to be for the Dodgers this season. And the team didn't even come to him. He was the one that said, I'm going to drop out. This is what I want to do. So He's putting the team first. He's putting, you know, this starting shortstop position at the highest of level because he knows that he could really be a huge piece for the Dodgers this season, especially if he's able to hit. And like you said, doesn't have to hit 333 this season. If he did, that'd be fantastic. But if he's able to hit 280, maybe kind of like 290, have a home run every now and then, He'll be an absolutely insane piece for the Dodgers at the bottom of the lineup. But Josh, uh, we have a few minutes left to talk about some other guys that have impressed. Are there any other ones that have uh, caught your eye before we transition? Yeah, yeah. you know, I feel like uh, I can't go a show talking about Dodgers prospects in spring training without talking about Michael Bush. So um, the one thing that I do want to say about Mike is I he hasn't been super impressive. Um, and there have been spring trainings where he was good. Um, you know, so far this year, it's been some good, some not so good, but I, I like the progression that I've seen from Bush because, well, first of all, the home run that he had the other day against the Reds, I didn't, I didn't even see it when it first happened. You texted me about it. He hit this thing to the street. I mean, there was a bus sitting on the street in the background that nearly lost a window. Okay. Um, but this home run from Michael Bush was just obliterated. And you can see the outfielder take a couple of steps, and then you see that decision or that thought go through his head, like, what am I looking for here? And Because this thing was way gone. But Michael Bush is somebody who I think struggled a little bit at the beginning of spring training. Obviously, we're still only you know, 14 games in or 13 games in or whatever it is. But he started to change the swing a little bit. He shortened it up. He shortened the stride. And so far, these last couple of games um, that he's played in, it started to work for him. And he's only hitting 261 through 11 games and 24 ABs, I think 23 ABs. Um, but um, he's somebody that I would look for to, to continue to improve throughout spring training because he's that type of player too. Um, so, so that's one where it's kind of, you know, spring training, we're going to temper the expectations. But also, I like that we have seen a little bit of a progression for, for Michael Bush from week one to week two of spring training. And he kind of capped it off with that monster home run too. Yeah. I mean, he, he started off kind of slow, wasn't really doing much, but the last two games, I'm looking at this right here, he's gone four for six, eight total bases, three RBIs. Obviously he had that massive home run. So it was a slow spring to start. I, one thing I did like was the fact that he was drawing a good amount of walks but yeah, the last couple of games he really impressed. Josh, I do have some bad news for you, though, in regards to Michael Bush, because every yeah. couple of days, the Dodgers have like a number of roster cuts where they trim down the roster to have guys go to the back uh, backfields. The back Michael fields, Bush yeah. yesterday, unfortunately, was one of the uh, roster casualties. So I, I guess he ends his spring on a yeah. high note with that home run. So we're not going to yeah. see much more of him. But again, the, you 
you saw enough, especially these last couple of games. Yeah. And even if the numbers weren't there, he was having stalled at bats. So we won't see yeah, any more of him. That's what I'm saying. I mean, but he you, did enough. You, you get those good at bats and you see that progression, and then he can spend the rest of the spring kind of just kind of working out and not really playing in games. And I think that that's fine. So you end on a high note, you see that progression a little bit. And then after you see that two week stretch, um, now go spend the rest of the spring, just continuing to work on your own. And, and, and you don't necessarily need those, those game experiences. But again, I think he's still somebody that's probably going to be in the mix in the future and uh, good for him to end on a high note. Um, and here's another thing too, is, at some point with all these guys at the World Baseball Classic, you're going to have a lot of other players getting opportunities in the lineup too. And obviously you got to start making some of those cuts sooner rather than later. A few names I just want to quickly throw out there just before we move on to some of the disappointing ones. Uh, Max Muncy, who a guy we've talked about numerous times this offseason, dealt with an injury, you know, coming off that injury last year, the shift being no more, has an OPS of 900, hit a home run the other day, a couple of doubles. He's looked really, really good at the plate. So if the Dodgers are able to get Max Muncy back, that's going to make their lineup even stronger. Noah Syndergaard, he's made three appearances now. Has tossed nine, nine in the third innings. ERA of 0.96. Opponents are hitting only 129 off of him. Eight strikeouts, no walks. Velocity is still kind of hovering around, I think, 94. So he hasn't really quite taken it to the next level yet, but... With Tony Gonsolin being hurt, you want Noah Syndergaard to kind of step up just a little more, and he's done that. Dustin May as well, another guy in the starting rotation, 1.04 ERA, has 13 strikeouts and only 8 innings. He's looked really, really good. You know, he kind of struggled last year when he came back after missing a year and a half with Tommy John surgery. So, again, a couple of guys in the starting rotation that have really impressed to go along with Ryan Pepio that we talked about earlier. He's looked really good so far this spring. He might earn a job. One name, though, I just wanted to end this on, Josh, because I think this is going to be the most interesting one. You did mention him briefly when we were talking about Ryan Pepio, and that's Gavin Stone, because at some point, the Dodgers are going to have a real, real tough decision on their hands. So Gavin Stone, Dodgers, you can make the case they're number one or their number two pitching prospect. He has been <laughs> insane this spring. If you want to make a case for Dustin May having the nastiest stuff in camp, I don't think you can make the case without having one for Gavin Stone because his stuff has been just absolutely filthy. He's only pitched three innings, but he does have six strikeouts. I'm not saying that he's going to earn a spot in the rotation to start the season, but if he continues to do what he's been doing in the minors for the first few weeks or the first month, I, I don't know if you're the Dodgers, how you're able to keep this guy down because I legitimately think he has a chance to be an ace on the Dodgers as soon as this season. Yeah, I mean, he's only 24 and three games, almost four innings, three, three and two-thirds, six strikeouts and two hits. Like, and, and, and you know, you watch those. It, it, it basically, it seems like every strikeout he has is like a pitching ninja highlight. Um, so you're right. I mean, he's, and he's obviously been, he's, he's been insane in the minors as well. So, um, he's obviously somebody that, that the organization's really high on. Um, and I would love to see him factor into it at some point, because I do think that there are some players with the Dodgers who 
I'm not saying it's like this for pitchers, but there are a lot of prospects I think that are kind of getting to the point where it's like, where do they factor in and are they going to be a trade piece in the future? Um, and I don't want to speculate on who that could be, but a guy like Gavin Stone is a pitching prospect that it seems like the organization is really high on. Um, maybe they hold them up into that same kind of caliber with guys like Pepio and, and, and Miller. Um, but his stuff has been nasty. And I feel like a couple of years ago, it was Pepio who we saw and we were like, all right, like, He's looked just gross against some of these guys in a small sample size in spring training. And this year it's Gavin Stone. So would love to see him factor in at some point, and hopefully it's sooner rather than later, because if he continues this up, I, you're, you're right. I mean, I just – he's one of the guys where I feel like it'd be hard to keep him out. Yeah, so a name to keep an eye on for sure. A lot of guys that have impressed, I mean – there's some that I didn't even jot down just because I figured there's some guys that are more important. So we are going to take a break, Josh, when we come back. There are a couple of guys that have really struggled so far this spring, and we're going to get into those guys. All right, we are back, Josh. We're going to wrap things up. We just went through about 10 to 12, I think, guys that have looked really good so far this spring. The good news is the list is significantly smaller when it comes to guys that have disappointed. And again, like we just talked about, you know, it's been two weeks. So although guys are having great springs, you know, they might not have great seasons. It's, you know, a very small sample size. But on the other side of things, Josh, we have a large enough sample size where some of the guys have just been really, really bad. And the one that I had at the top of the list for me personally that I, I figured we have to talk about this right away and that's Chris Taylor, because he was a guy that really struggled last season, dealt with injuries, but had by far his worst season since joining the Dodgers. He somehow has managed to look even worse so far this spring. So he has 29 plate appearances through 10 games. He's hitting 115. He has struck out 10 times, which is a strikeout percentage of 35%. No extra base hits. He's driven in only one run. And... With guys like James Edwin, who we talked about, looking really good. Jason Hayward is impressed this spring. David Peralta has been doing fantastic in the World Baseball Classic. Obviously, Trace Thompson as well, a name we didn't even mention. The Dodgers have a number of outfield options. If Chris Taylor is not able to pick things up at the plate, there's a chance he might be the odd man out, and he is seeing more time on the bench than in the starting lineup for the Dodgers. Yeah, I mean, that's the first name that jumps out to me, too. Um, and, you know, your 29 plate appearances, but 26 ABs is tied for the second most on the team. J.D. Martinez is a 29, and Hayward and Taylor have each had 26. And, again, you know, at spring training, he was – in the past, there were, there were some times when he was a pretty streaky hitter. But, I mean, it just hasn't been great. And 10 strikeouts, obviously, is not uh, – not what you're looking for. It's one of the highest rates on the team too. Um, and yeah, it's, it's definitely a little bit concerning because, and you know, I'll just throw this out there. One of the names that I thought um, was a little bit disappointing as well was JD Martinez. So I want to kind of bring that into the same conversation here rather than going one guy at a time. Um, but he is not strike out, struck out or struck out. Good Lord English. This is my job, by the way, my job is, is to speak. Um, he, his strikeout rate is not as high. Um, his average is also low. His OPS is also low. He hasn't had a great spring, but 
He's also coming off a good year. And like I'm a little bit hesitant to really go to any conclusions with J.D. Martinez after 11 games of spring training for him. The reason why I feel like that's a little bit different with Chris Taylor is because we are seeing so many of the same issues with him through 26 ABs and 29 plate appearances as we saw all of last year and everything we saw when he came back from the injury. He does look like a different player than he was the season of that huge walk-off home run and that all-star season. So that's what's concerning to me, and that's why I'm kind of separating the Martinez struggles and the Taylor struggles and kind of keeping them on different levels. Um, and, and definitely it is a little bit concerning, even though, even though it's only spring training. Yeah, I, I agree where, like, J.D. Martinez, he is coming off a really good season, so it's not as concerning, whereas Chris Taylor, like, you know, we mentioned, was awful last season. If Chris Taylor had bad numbers, but his strikeout rate was significantly, you know, lower, I don't think I'd be as concerned. But when you're striking out 35% of the time, I think last season, the only player in all of baseball with a higher strikeout rate than Chris Taylor was Joey Gallo. So when you're striking out 35 to 40% of the time, if you're not at least hitting a bunch of home runs, the other 60%, and at least getting on base, things are going to get really ugly. So hopefully Chris Chris Taylor can turn things around because we've seen him be such a valuable piece. But at some point, if he's just continuously striking out one out of every three at-bats and not giving you much more in those other ones, uh, the Dodgers are going to have a major issue on their hands. But I kind of want to just go back to J.D. Martinez quickly. Again, like you mentioned, Josh, 30 at-bats. You can't read too much into this. But my only real concern so far with J.D. Martinez is the fact that he has, I think he actually leads the Dodgers in at bats with a uh, 29. Yeah. The, the the average, the average, you know that you'll you'll just throw it in the back burner. But it's the fact, Josh, in these 30 at bats, he doesn't have a single extra base hit. Yeah. Now it'd be one thing if he was hitting 172, had a couple home runs, had a couple doubles. But this is a guy that you brought in to be a 30 double, a 30 home run kind of guy. Probably you're hoping for at least 50 to 60 extra base hits. And the fact that we're two and a half weeks in now, and he's essentially in the lineup every day, and all he has are singles. And it's not like he's, you know, smoking the ball. These are hard hit singles. They don't have the actual exit velocities that you can look up. But every single he's getting, it's kind of just a weak hit into the outfield, maybe like a dribbler. So again, 30 at bats, you don't want to just write off his season, but... For a guy that you were expecting to be probably your second or third biggest power hitting weapon in the lineup, not even having a single extra base hit through 30 at-bats is not something you wanted to see with a guy like J.D. Martinez. Yeah, especially because I think that that was the calling card that you and I had talked about was the extra base hits. It's not necessarily the average or or you know the RBIs or the home runs. It was the extra base hits in general that I think was something that jumped out to the two of us when the Dodgers made the signing for J.D. Martinez. Um, so, so I think that that's what stands out to me the most at this point is you're not really seeing that and you're not really seeing the consistency either. But I am separating it from, from you know, my concerns with Chris Taylor, but it is something to at least be you know, a little bit speculative about heading throughout spring training and going into opening day. Uh, I just have one more name, Josh, that I want to include. I don't know if there's any more that you have after mine. And that's Shelby Miller. Uh, This is a guy that the Dodgers signed to the 40-man roster. A lot of people were kind of confused when the signing initially happened because essentially since 2016, Shelby Miller has been awful. 
whenever he's been in the big leagues. Like his ERA has been like a combined six and a half over the last six seasons. Two and two thirds innings, but he has an ERA of 17. He's allowed five runs on nine hits and only two and two thirds innings. Um, again, such a small, small sample size, but allowing nine hits in three innings of work, not not ideal. If there is any sort of silver lining, Josh, it's the fact that out of the eight outs he's been able to record, six of them have come via the strikeout. So essentially, if he's striking guys out, you're fine. It's just when guys put the ball in play, he's like the worst pitcher. So the, obviously the Dodgers saw something in him that a lot of other teams didn't, especially to give him a major league deal. But to come out of you know spring and in your first three outings be this bad... I mean, I guess the good thing is you can only get better from here, Josh, but um, Shelby Miller was a name that I was really looking forward to seeing this spring, and yeah, it's just been kind of really disappointing so far with the outings he's had. Yeah, um, I, I completely agree, um, and that was a name that I had written down. Um, if I were to go with another pitcher in this case, um, I feel like I'd kind of have to go with Justin Brule too, um, in, in a very similar sense. Has, he's only issued one walk, hasn't really walked anybody. He's only pitched three innings, um, and he does have a couple of strikeouts. So it's kind of the same thing where, all right, you know, you've got some strikeouts. You're not really walking a ton of guys. Uh, his whip is definitely better than than Shelby Miller's um, through just two and two-thirds innings for Miller, um, and his whip is at like 3.4. Um, and Brules Dear God. Is, only, it, Brules is at a flat one, 1.00. So – it is a little bit better, um, but he hasn't given up too many hits, but he's given up a handful of runs. Um, and that's a little bit concerning for me. Um, you know, only the one home run allowed a couple of guys on base and his ERA is at like 12 too. So, um, you know, I don't think it's, it, it, he hasn't been as bad as Shelby Miller, but those are two guys that I feel like at some point are probably going to be factoring into to this Dodgers team. And that's a little bit concerning in spring training, but of course I, I'm almost a little bit, I feel like I'm more easygoing about the pitchers too, because it's simply like, this is your opportunity for the day to, to do something. And maybe you get put in a bad situation. Maybe you don't have your best stuff. You give up a couple of runs and those stats are a little bit skewed where it's different. If you have a guy like, like Diego Cartaya who gets an AB in the eighth inning and strikes out and his average is straight zeros through three games. And it's like, Oh, okay. Well, you only had four at bats or something like that. So I feel like it is a little bit different, but um, but, but yeah, I mean, those are two guys that I feel like should be playing a, a, a decent role on the Dodgers this year and, um, or, or kind of a key role in the bullpen and, and haven't really seen their best stuff yet. Yeah. I mean, that is, that's just the tough thing with spring training, because like you said, you could be getting a lot of playing time, but it's, you get one about a game and yeah. it really hurts your numbers. Whereas, you know, for Michael Bush, like we talked about, he was looking really bad through the first eight or so games. And then you have a couple of good games, and all of a sudden your numbers are looking really, really solid. So, you know, that, that's the thing with spring training. You don't want to read too much into it. It is nice getting a little sample size because, you know, as we've seen with James Outman, a lot can happen in 30 at-bats that make you look like Babe Ruth. Or with Chris Taylor, a lot can happen in 30 at-bats that make you look like the worst hitter in all of baseball. So overall, 
again, these guys can be just fine when the regular season rolls around. You don't want to bank on numbers in spring training, but Josh, it does give you a good idea of just where guys are at, at least so far, how they're looking through the first couple of weeks. And again, it's just something that you want to monitor as spring training comes to a close and as we enter the regular season, because, you know, by the time the regular season starts, guys are going to have a month under their belt. They're not going to be fresh like they are right now. Yeah. And that's going to make a lot of decisions interesting for the Dodgers when it comes to deciding who you want, you know, on your 26-man roster. If Justin Burrell and Shelby Miller continue to struggle, maybe they end up not cracking the opening day roster. Whereas if you have guys like Caleb Ferguson, Alex Vesia that are looking dominant as ever, they might be easy decisions. So a lot of, you know, games to go. Like I said, I think 15 more games before the regular season starts. But before we wrap things up, any uh, final words, any final takes on uh, what you've seen so far the spring training? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm just, again, it's one of those years where I'm not making it out there, but wish I was. Um, and, you know, it, it is nice to see so many more prospects and guys getting opportunities. And I, and I know maybe some fans aren't like that. They just like that all the games are quicker or uh, all of the games are closer together and, you know, it's constantly moving um, and it's just a cool environment. But sometimes you, you kind of get like, all right, who's this guy? Who's this guy? Who's that guy? Honestly, this year with the world baseball classic too, I've been happy to see so many different guys getting opportunities. And it seems like even more than usual um, where you're not sure, you know, you're not going to see Mookie Betts, you know, starting at right field on a, Tuesday afternoon against the Reds or whoever, you know, um, but, you know, we're not that far from that being an everyday thing. So, and I haven't even been like this in the past, but now I've, I've enjoyed following what some of these prospects are doing like Michael Bush, uh, like Johnny DeLuca, who I mentioned earlier. Um, so yeah, I mean, pay attention to those guys because these are guys that have absolutely tore up the minor leagues. Um, and are getting maybe even bigger opportunities in spring training than they've gotten past years. And guys like Johnny DeLuca are, are absolutely raking. So, um, so yeah, it's been fun to watch. I actually want to just quickly say one final name, Josh. I completely forgot about him earlier, but I'm going back and I'm looking at the list I put down. And that is catcher Hunter Fiducia, who actually oh, yeah. leads the Dodgers in RBIs this spring with nine. And he has 14 plate appearances. The dude has nine RBIs, and he's hitting 500. So, like, again, it's been 14 plate appearances, but, hey, if you're leading the Dodgers in RBIs with only a handful of games, maybe he makes an impact for the Dodgers later this year as a third catcher if someone goes down. So, like you said, having these guys that aren't household names, that aren't guys that are going to be on the active roster, it's fun seeing these prospects really show out, really make a name for themselves. And all of a sudden now you're thinking, okay, I'm going to put that name on the back burner. I'm going to remember him when he gets called up later this season or next year. But yeah, Hunter Fiducia, nine yep. RBIs. Yeah, and, That's he's, absolutely and he's, only been, he's only been kind of just okay in, in the minors too. Like, I mean, he's had last year with uh, between Oklahoma City and Tulsa, he hit 15 home runs with 51 RBIs in 83 games. So it's like, all right, it's not terrible. I mean, the average wasn't there. The The OPS was just fine. Like, he's been just okay. Um, so that's why I think it's great to see a guy like him come in and just absolutely tear the cover off the ball, too. Like, nine RBIs, right? I mean, yeah, yeah nine. good for him. Also, um, Louisiana through and through. He's from Lake Charles, and the Dodgers drafted him out of LSU. Love that. There you go. 
There you, there you go, go Tigers. So that does wrap things up for this episode of Inside the Ravine. Again, a lot of guys have impressed, uh, but that's the case when you only need 15 at-bats, and if you go 5 for 15, you're an all-star caliber player. So, like I said, two weeks left of spring training, then we get the regular season, but a whole lot to keep an eye on. As always, guys, thank you so much for listening. Make sure to find the show wherever you guys get your podcast. We're on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, and we are also on the Odyssey app. You guys can also follow us on social media, whatever app you use. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Inside the Ravine. And we're also on YouTube. Just search Inside the Ravine where you guys can watch the full episodes over there. Josh, uh, this was a fun episode. Like I said, hopefully no more injuries to report the next time we record. But uh, any final final thoughts before we head out for the week? And we lost Josh. We lost Josh. He's given two thumbs up, so I think he's just going to wrap it up at that. No final thoughts. No final no, thoughts yeah, from sorry, Josh we, at all. <laughs> cut out there. Uh, f- final thoughts. Um, yep, that's good. Good for me. Baseball. Okay, awesome. Thanks, Josh. Great. <laughs> That's all. Uh, for, for Josh Schaefer in the beautiful Ontario Rain headquarters, this has been Blake Harris. Thank you guys so much for listening, as always. And we hope you enjoy the rest of your week, wherever you may be.